welcome to Employment Law Matters with Barrister Daniel Barnett. Hello and welcome to episode two of Employment Law Matters, Holiday Pay Conundrums. It really is bizarre that one of the most complicated and fraught areas of employment law is paid annual leave. And in this episode, I'm discussing two of the last contested areas. First, whether to include voluntary overtime in the calculation of holiday pay. Second, how many years back employers might have to pay any shortfall for if they're sued by their workers. All workers are entitled to a minimum 5.6 weeks holiday pay each year. So how hard can it be to work out how much someone's wage slip should be for? Well, really hard if you just look at the number of cases being fought on this and the number of battles that unions are pursuing on behalf of their members. It's been nearly 10 years since Captain Williams persuaded the European Court of Justice that his holiday pay from British Airways should include his normal, regular payments and not just basic salary. Since then, we've had a cornucopia of cases, including Lockhamed British Gas, Fulton and Bear Scotland and Dudley Council and Willits, to name just three. The rationale that the European Court of Justice has consistently given for payments in holiday pay is this. Nobody should be disincentivized from going on holiday by earning less when they're on holiday than they'd get when they're at work. I'll say that again. Nobody should be disincentivized from going on holiday by earning less when they're on holiday than they would earn if they were at work. So if somebody regularly gets commission when they're at work, they shouldn't be disincentivized from taking holiday by missing out on that commission when they take their holiday. We know that regular commission payments should be included when calculating holiday pay. We know that compulsory overtime should be factored in, as should guaranteed overtime. And last month, the Court of Appeal held there's no distinction to be made between compulsory overtime, guaranteed overtime, and voluntary overtime. The latter being when the employer isn't obliged to offer the overtime, and if it's offered, the worker isn't obliged to do it. All of them have to form part of the holiday pay calculation, provided they're sufficiently regular and predictable to be part of normal pay. But what does that mean? Well, there's no clear guidance yet, but I think a good starting point is to consider how easy it would be for a worker to take their full holiday entitlement without losing the chance to work overtime. If it would be difficult for them to do so without losing out, that's a pretty good indication that average overtime earnings should be included in the holiday pay calculation. And if you're wondering what the name of the case that said that is, it's Flowers Against East of England Ambulance Trust, a Court of Appeal decision from June 2019. What about claims for unpaid back holiday pay? In recent years, as the Flowers case that I've just mentioned shows, it's become clear that a wide range of payments that haven't traditionally been used in the calculation of holiday pay should in fact have been included. 
As a result, many employers will have been underpaying their staff for a considerable period, possibly even dating back to the introduction of the right to paid annual leave back in 1998, 21 years ago. Are employers therefore at risk of being sued for years and years of back pay? Well, there are two barriers to such claims. First of all, the snappily named Deduction from Wages Limitation Regulations 2014 limits any claim for back pay to two years before the tribunal claim form goes in. So at risk of some very slight oversimplification, if I put in a tribunal claim form claiming back pay in January 2020, I can only claim back pay in respect of 2018 and 2019 because the deduction from wages limitation regulations say I can only go back two years. The second barrier is that the Employment Appeal Tribunal held in a case called Bear Scotland against Fulton that where the claim is based on a series of deductions, that's continuing, ongoing underpayments of holiday pay, month after month after year after year, any gap between deductions of more than three months, so any period in which the individual didn't take holiday or wasn't underpaid holiday, which extends to more than three months on the trot, breaks the chain in the series, meaning any claim for an underpayment made before that gap is time barred. It's too old. It can't be heard. Now, in a test case last year called Batan against Lloyds, IBM and TSB, the Central London Employment Tribunal rejected arguments that both those barriers contravened European law. And that case didn't go any further. But a few weeks ago, in June 2019, in a case called Chief Constable of the Police Service of Northern Ireland, against Agnew, the Northern Ireland Court of Appeal had to deal with the argument about the three-month gap breaking the chain. It didn't deal with the other barrier, the two-year backstop, because the laws applying in Northern Ireland aren't quite the same as in Great Britain, and in particular, the 2014 regulations limiting back pay claims to two years doesn't apply there. And that meant the total value of the claims being brought was potentially massive, as much as £30 million. The court held that the three-month rule set out by the Employment Appeal Tribunal in Bear Scotland against Fulton was wrong. What the legislation required, said the court, was that a claim for unlawful deductions from wages, i.e., underpayments of holiday pay should be made within three months of the last underpayment in a series. In other words, you had to lodge a tribunal claim within three months of some discernible underpayment of holiday pay. But if you did that, said the court, there was nothing to limit the length of a series, nothing to limit how far you could go back. There's nothing to prevent a series of deductions going back years and years and years, even if the payments of holiday pay are more than three months apart. Since this is a Northern Ireland case, it's not directly binding in the rest of the United Kingdom. 
it does show that the three-month rule in Bear Scotland cannot be safely relied on and that many UK employers are more vulnerable to large-scale holiday pay claims than was previously thought. If you're dealing with one of those cases, I was involved in the Batan test case and I'm happy to exchange views about it or let you have a copy of the judgment. Just get in touch via podcast at danielbarnett.co.uk. And thank you so much for listening. Again, let me know what you thought. Email me on podcast at danielbarnett.co.uk. And please hit subscribe on whatever podcast service you use. I'm planning to do a lot more of these podcasts. As a new podcast, it's really important for search visibility for me to get reviews on iTunes. So please, so I know people are listening, go to iTunes and leave a review for Employment Law Matters. I will read it and it really does help. I'm Daniel Barnett. The next podcast episode will be out next week and it's on my top five SOSR dismissals. Any information on this podcast is for general guidance only. Always seek legal advice. Please see full terms at www.danielbarnett.co.uk forward slash podcast terms.